If you would turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. I titled this message, Border Inspection. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Before we keep going, let's pause for a moment of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for everyone that's joining us tonight and um, for, for their time. And I pray, Father, that uh, you would speak to their hearts, especially the ones that this is meant for. I pray, Father, that uh, you would be glorified, that you'd be honored by this uh, message, that uh, you would speak to the right ones. And Lord, help us to indeed be ready for that border inspection that's coming up in our lives as well. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There will be a day where we will all stand before God and the things which we have done on earth will be judged. And this is not just for a Christian. It happens for every single person on earth. Your life is not your own. When you got saved, when you became a Christian, your ownership turned to Jesus Christ. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 23, you don't have to turn there, but it says, And ye are Christ's, and Christ is God's. It talks about ownership. Christ owns us as Christians. And it's very interesting because a lot of people still don't understand that fact. A lot of people take it for granted that they don't own their life anymore. Even the things in this world are not even ours. I don't know if you've ever taken the time to take a look at your driver's license. If you have a driver's license, I'm pulling mine out, but I want to show you something. Maybe you're not going to be able to see it, but on your driver's license, if you turn it around where you have that magnetic strip, it says, this card remains the property of the issuing agency and must be surrendered upon request. So what does that tell you? It tells you that your license, your driving permit, is not your own. That knowledge test that you took with ICBC when you were trying to learn how to drive, that was only a test to see if you are even worthy of the privilege to be on the streets in a car or a bike. The road test that they put you through is only to see if you will make the right decisions with the privilege that they're about to give you. The reason that they can take away your card is because it was lent to you in the first place. You don't own it. It's theirs. Now, in life as well, God lent you time, talents, and treasures. They were lent to you. Therefore, 
whether he wants to or not, he is allowed to take it away from you. Your time, your talents, and your treasures, at any moment, he is allowed to take them away from you. And he can take all three at the same time if he wanted to. If God owns everything, which he does, then he can do whatever he wants. But every one of us also need to take this one thing into account. There is an inspection that's coming up in our lives. Every single person is, in a sense, getting close to this border in their life. A border. And at this border, you need to make a declaration. Because there will be questions that are going to be asked. Now, what are the typical questions that they ask, usually at a border? Well, first is the papers. The first question they'll ask is, what are, where are your papers? The reason why they ask you where, uh, the papers please question is to figure out which country you belong to. Let me ask you something. Which country do you belong to? Do you belong to the heavenly country? See, in John chapter 3 and verse 3, let's turn there. John chapter 3 and verse 3, a man came to Jesus and he was asking a question. John chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So, have you been born again? Are you a citizen of heaven? Or were you forced to make a decision at some point in your life? Was it a decision that was forced upon you? You saw it being done in other people's lives and then you said, I want that too. Or was it something because something started to show you that you were an undeserving sinner? You didn't deserve God's grace. And you came to that point where you had to repent of your sin. And you had to accept him to save you. You had to call upon Jesus Christ to save you. You see, there was even this man here, Nicodemus, and he was wondering, does, this, does a person have to go back into his mother's womb and be born again? But Jesus points out, see, even though Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, who knew practically every answer you could have asked him, he didn't know this because the answer is not an answer based on knowledge. The kingdom of God, this heavenly land, is not based on your knowledge of the Bible. It's not based on whether or not you remember of a time that you had prayed a prayer. Because if that were so, imagine what would happen if you had gotten amnesia. You'd forgotten what happens to somebody who grows and then eventually gets dementia, where their mind starts to lose it? What about somebody who loses their memory over time, through old age perhaps, or some kind of disease? What about the child who never got to that knowledge of what it means to get saved, of their knowledge of their sin? God does not base salvation on some kind of past experience that you remember. It's not some 
knowledge that you had gained. It's whether you were really born of the Spirit. That's what the Scriptures say. Some even think that they are Christians just because they come to church. It doesn't work like that. It's like thinking that because you're in a garage, you're a car. It doesn't work like that. You don't have to be a Christian to go to church. Anyone is welcome to church. But there is a lifelong producing that happens to Christians that make them want to go to church more and more. But that's beside the point. Did you know that there are countries in the world where you don't have to be born in them in order to be a citizen? Take Israel, for example. Israel, all you have to be is a Jew. You can convert and become an Israeli citizen. Same thing with Italy. You just have to be born into an Italian family. Doesn't matter where you are in the world, but you can become an Italian citizen. Now, and then there's countries that even though you're born inside of the country, you still can't be a citizen. One of them is Japan. If you're not Japanese, and yet you're born in Japan, you cannot get a Japanese citizenship. You see, when it comes to having a citizenship, you have to play it by the country's rules. It's not your own rules. And the same thing applies when it comes to the heavenly country. You play it by God's rules. It's not your own rules. A lot of people think they can just earn it just because they know something or they did something throughout their life that they, they deserve heaven for some reason. God has restrictions. And we all know this verse. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9. I just want you to see it here. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Is there something that you can boast about at the end of your life? If there is, then you're probably not born of the Spirit. Can you boast of something to God to let Him let you in? If you're able to say, I did this, then you're probably disqualified. But if you're able to say, God did this, and I'm undeserving, then that's probably the right answer. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You were still a sinner and Christ still died for you. You're totally undeserving. You had no control over it. Because you need to come to this understanding that you cannot merit anything. You may have good tendencies. You, are, you have your own ethical code. You do good things. Uh, you pay your taxes, you're good to uh, your family and your friends, you have many friends perhaps, but that's still not good enough. Because these things that you say are self-righteous, they're just as filthy rags in God's eyes. In Romans 3, 24 to 27, let's turn there. Chapter 3, verse 24 to 27, it says, 
being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through the faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Who was the payment? It wasn't you. You didn't pay for it with your own self-righteousness. God paid for it. He was the propitiation, and he gave it to you freely. He justified you freely. You see, it keeps going here. In verse 26, to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just, that the, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. You see, it's not to show how good you are so you can boast about it. It's so that God could show himself greater. His righteousness. That he might be just. And so it goes on. In verse 27. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. See, by grace are you saved through faith. Through faith. There is no such thing as a nominal Christian in heaven. There is no such thing as a nominal Christian in heaven. Only born-again Christians. There are too many people that think that they are Christians because uh, they grew up in the right family, as if uh, it was some kind of inheritance that they got, or that Christianity is just passed down from, from parent to child. Where is your faith placed in? Is it in God? Is it in Jesus Christ to save you? Many will have heard the story of Jesus Christ thinking he's some kind of only a historical figure, kind of like Buddha or Muhammad. See, a lot of people see him as being a true fact of history, but they don't take to consideration that he is also the savior of the world. God's power works through Jesus Christ. Eternal life is found in Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. There is no second chance if you miss that opportunity. Once you get to the border of the end of your life, it's too late. And it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. That's what the Bible says. You will only die once, and after that is the judgment. So this border inspection is coming, and one of the first questions they will ask you, or God will ask you, is, where are your papers? The proper papers to get through this border demands that you be in Jesus Christ. The one Messiah that fulfilled the prophecy of the Old Testament, that he might redeem mankind to God. Jesus reconciled you to God. Jesus became the propitiation for you. Jesus justified you in God's sight. Jesus is now making intercession for you. Do you have Jesus in you? Do you have the right papers? You see, once you do have the right papers, just like it says in Hebrews eleven sixteen, but now they desire a better country that is an heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Christ is the passport to heaven. It's 
He's the one who lets you pass into heaven. So, that first question is, do you have the right papers? Second question is, how much are you bringing? How much are you bringing? Now, of all the things in this earth, which of those things counted for God? Now, going back to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 to 13, it says, 11 to 13, For other foundation can no man lay than this, than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build up on this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Every man's work shall be made manifest. Of all the things you are spending your time Especially these days, you have more time, perhaps, than you've ever had. How much of it actually counts for God? I want you to think about this one. We often go about our day not really thinking of all the things that we can do for God. And we don't take into account also how, many, how much time we have, how much talents we are given or treasures, and these, as I had started off with, were lent to you from God. Think about it in God's currency, compared to our currency. You know, as uh, perhaps you've, uh, you've gone to a third world country, perhaps you've gone to a country where the Canadian dollar was more valuable, and you've looked at their items, and perhaps you've looked at them thinking, Oh, yeah, I could afford that. Oh, that's easy. Oh, yeah, that's like uh, this, 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 this many dollars. Because your currency system is not the same value as the land you were in. Think about it in that sense. The land that you're in right now has a certain value, has a certain currency. Perhaps in North America, the biggest thing that people seek after is money. Where is their time, their talents, and their treasures going into? Into making money. Most of the time. It's lost. In a different country, it may be something else. But if you try to see how much of what you've done on earth compared to what God values, how much would it be worth? Jesus commands to us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all the rest will be added unto us. Yet we're here, and most of the time, we're seeking after the earthly things. We're seeking after the things that, we, that could please us, the things that, uh, would, uh, that are more valuable on earth. But once we die, it's all gone. Once we die, all those things are just dust and rubble. Jesus' currency is much more different. The coming kingdom, the heavenly kingdom, and its currency has a much higher value on things. Your priorities, they need to be aligned with God's. Your desires, they need to be aligned with God's. The worries of this earth will not bother you once you 
have worries of the eternal life. If you took into account everything you did in a day, how much of that do you think will be honoring to God? How much of that was used to glorify yourself or to please yourself? See, we're approaching this border. And one of the first questions they'll ask is, what are your papers? Do you still belong? Do you actually belong in this heavenly kingdom? And the second question is, how much are you bringing? How much on this earth has been done? And I understand we're human beings. We make mistakes and we definitely don't always prioritize heavenly things. That's a, human, that's a very human thing to do. But God counts faithfulness as well. That's what God is really looking for. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12 all the way to 14, it says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but the one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Are you still pressing toward the mark or have you already given up? Are you still seeking after those heavenly things first or have you already stopped? We may not even be the best servants in this world, but let's make sure that everything we do is counted for God. Not done by our own power, but by God's power. And perhaps you may get discouraged. Well, remember this as well. Your labor is not in vain. 1 Corinthians 15, 8, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's make everything we do count for God. For that heavenly kingdom. So that when we are up there, our currency is valuable. I want to conclude this matter. I want to tell you a small story. There was a time when uh, Brother Ramos, our missionary to Paraguay, he was coming, uh, he was coming to visit. And uh, he happened to be in Texas and he was coming in uh, to Bellingham. So uh, he'd asked me if I could help him out to go pick him up. It was on a Wednesday. So I got everything ready. I, uh, I did all my work so that I can leave uh, work sooner. And then I got everything ready. I even got granola bars because I looked at the time that he was coming in. And I thought, well, he's not going to have enough time to eat, uh, eat supper. So I got even granola bars and such. And I went towards the border. And I have a Nexus card, which is great, because you can just breeze right through traffic, in a sense. So I'm getting to the border, and I have everything ready. I even uh, pulled down my, uh, my backseat uh, glass so that the border guard can see, because I always get asked to bring it down anyway. And I had my Nexus card in my hand. I was ready to go, and I'm, I'm just driving. I only had like 30 minutes or so. Or so. And I didn't want to get stuck in the Bellingham traffic. So as I'm going, get to the border, I'm ready to go. I have all the questions ready in my mind. I have them answered. I knew what I was going to declare. 
I knew everything that I needed to say. And then finally, the border guard, I get to the border guard. Border guard's very happy, you know. I don't know why he was really happy that day. And I'm there as well, happy as can be. Maybe that was a bad idea. But he starts asking me questions, and I answer them. And sure enough, I answered them uh, just as I would uh, as usual. But then he reaches out, and he grabs what they call the orange slip. Now, the orange slip usually means something was wrong. Something went wrong. And usually it has to do with a declaration. So now I'm thinking, did I declare something wrong? Did I, I, I wasn't bringing anything. I had nothing else to declare. I said that I was going to pick up a friend. It was a family friend. And I wanted to go pick him up. Uh, I had nothing in my, in my trunk, nothing else. So I'm going and I'm waiting to find out what I did wrong. But he gives me the slip and he says, please turn around and go into secondary inspection. Now, I'm nervous. I thought I was going to lose my Nexus Pass. The Nexus Pass is a, is, a, is a small privilege, but it's a big deal because you can only have one Nexus Pass. And if you were to lose the Nexus Pass or the privileges to a Nexus Pass, you can never have it ever again in your life. So I'm thinking, I'm about to lose one of the biggest privileges ever in travel. And I have no idea why. And I'm, I'm losing my mind. And finally, they ask me for my keys. They go and they say, uh, yeah, we need to check your, your vehicle. Is there anything else to declare? And I remembered I never brought up the granola bars. <laughs> I didn't think that they were going to stop me for granola bars. But I said, oh, yeah, I have granola bars in my car. And then they went, they checked, and then they came back gave me my keys, and it took about 30 minutes or so. And by now, I'm already running behind. Uh, the traffic's already gotten bad and everything, and I'm still at the border. Finally, I asked them, so why did I have to get secondary inspection? And what they told me was, you had a Compex or a Comex. A Compex is a computer-generated examination and you are randomly chosen by the computer to have a secondary inspection. What? Randomly? And so, that's the day I found out that you can randomly be chosen. Let me tell you this. In life, you don't know when you are randomly chosen to get to this border. Anytime, all of a sudden, God can bring you in for inspection. Will you be ready? In James 4:14 to 15, it says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and, and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Are you ready for your border inspection? Are you ready for the proper papers? Do you have the proper papers? Do you know Christ as your Savior? 
And how much are you bringing that's actually valuable in heaven? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this message. And I pray, Father, that uh, you would have spoken to somebody, somebody's heart today, that they, were, they would have moved to make a decision to perhaps live for you more, perhaps to actually start giving more of their time, their talents, and their treasures, and the valuable things that they hold dearly in this world, that they don't hold it in comparison to the heavenly kingdom that's coming. I pray, Lord, that you would work in the hearts of your people, even, even though they are apart on the other side of this broadcast. I pray, Lord, that you would work in their lives and help them to make that decision. Give them the grace, Lord, to just give their life to you, to do more for you. I pray and thank you, Lord, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for that message, Pastor Devian. And uh, right now we're going to transition into our offering time. And this is a chance for you just to, to give them to the Lord, whether it's through texting or online or you can stop by later uh, this week and give them to the Lord. Let's do it as unto the Lord. And uh, let's, let's do our best for him right now at this time. 